Griffin, I was speaking with, we were speaking with, mutual uh, friend, mutual guest on the podcast, Clem McConnell, yesterday. And he shared with us something that I would like to share with the greater HFLC audience, which is that he was telling his co-workers about your claim that you could lead a touchdown drive in an NFL game as a quarterback in 500 attempts, as if to say, this guy is crazy. And apparently they were asking if you had played Division One football or some other high level of football. And it seemed as though uh, the fact that the answer was no uh, left them rather flabbergasted, shall we say. Chris, would you believe that I have never in my life like worn football pads? I've never played... <laughs> a game of organized non-flag football in my entire existence. I think we have talked about this before, and I was talking about this with Clem Solo also. <laughs> oh, good. So I got some a little more in-depth conversation about it, and he was talking about, like, and I, sort of an important thing I hadn't really thought about, like, you need to throw the ball really hard. Mm, that's true. To, like, you know, you need to put some zip on it, because if you're just chucking it up, I feel like there's no shot. I mean, even if you have like DeAndre Hopkins or whomever, I can I can I can step into it. <laughs> so you're standing by this. You think you can put some, I, the appropriate amount of zip on the ball? It. And like we said, I'm gonna get better every time. I'm gonna get some time with the quarterbacks coach. Um, and I am standing by this. I do think that I certainly think that quarterback is the right choice between that running back and wide receiver. And I am standing by 500. I only need to, all you have to do to get a first down is pick up 3.34 yards per play. I can throw a ball three yards with some pretty good zip. Um, can you? <laughs> can you, yeah, like, I don't know. But. You know, to a receiver who's kind of like kind of open, maybe, and you, I mean, I, another well, thing they've that they've got to be open. Uh, there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> they got to get themselves open. Another thing that I talked about in the episode, I believe, is the idea of like, you know, checking your route progression. Yeah, you look over there, he's not open. You look to the next guy, is he open? He's open. Bam. Five yards. Second and five. Manageable. This is deeply infuriating. And speaking of deeply infuriating, it's time for another episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. Now, if it was Canadian rules, only three downs, I would have to give myself a lot more attempts. But you're giving me four chances to complete two out of 50% success rate on five yards, little, all they have to do is run five yards, hard cut in, and they're right there. I could I could flip the ball to them. 50% completion is what you're, what's what you're talking about. People, on five yard passes, all the way down. NFL quarter, like Andy Dalton can barely do that. He could do it if they were just standing there waiting for it. I, I think that you guys are underestimating yourselves, you and Clem. Well, certainly not. You're certainly, it's a, Hollow praise, perhaps, to say that you are more of an athlete than I, but uh, <laughs> it's what it is. Welcome to High Floor, Low Ceiling for another week. Funny Vember rolls on, Griffin. Uh, have you yeah, been... You're, you're racking up quite a collection. I actually am racking up quite a collection. I think, you know, we're recording this on the 10th of November, not to date ourselves too heavily. And I think I'm around 13 or 14 films on the old Funny Vember docket, so I'm really, I'm cruising. Wow. Um... Huge shout out to Moonstruck. I've already seen it, but yeah, you love the best comedy I've watched. Have you ever seen it, Griffin? I have. Yes, I watched it in Intro to Film, first year ah, university. Fantastic. It was good. It was good uh, what was? Were we just talking about you watching a movie in your uh, Intro to Shivers? Film? <laughs> David Cronenberg Shivers. Hmm. And what was the like? Were you studying something specific when you watched Moonstruck? Moonstruck was the rom com unit. Mm, I believe. I sure, I can imagine. Um, yeah, because we also watched like Adam's Rib. That's a funny movie for Funny Vember. 
Adam Sandler. That's what I'm interested in Adam. for my comedies. You should watch Adam's Rib. Catherine Hepburn. Hmm. I think what it's Spencer Tracy. Uh, well, we won't well, worry about that right now. Vamp. A vamp. I whip up uh, the old beast here. John Mulaney and the Sock Lunch Bunch. Is it taboo to bring up John Mulaney these days? I don't think so. I mean, he probably cheated on his wife, but he didn't commit a crime. <laughs> sure, that's your line. As if someone committed a crime. But I have seen that. I, I quite enjoyed that. Oh, actually, you know what movie I just watched that I bet you would like, Griffin? And I actually, I'm going to bet right now that you've seen this movie. A Fish Called Wanda. I've not seen A Fish Called Wanda, but it sounds familiar. It's Jamie Lee Curtis, John Cleese. How do you feel about John Cleese? I like John Cleese. And his political views? I don't know his <laughs> political views. Are they problematic? Uh, they're not problematic lists, I'll say that much. Um, but yes, uh, so very very British style of humor. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Faulty Towers. I feel like you would enjoy that as well, Griffin. I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things. Uh, and any information on Adam's Rib? Yes, Adam's Rib is a 1949 American romantic comedy drama uh, starring Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn as married lawyers who come to oppose each other in court. Ah, very fun. It was ranked and... at number 22 on AFI's 100 Years, 100, 100 Laughs. Lasts. Fantastic stuff. Thank you for that. And speaking of 49, the San Francisco 49ers play a professional sport, and that is what we like to talk about on this podcast, Professional Sports. Uh, <laughs> Justin like Herbert, uh, an, an injury to his Adam's rib, I believe. Mm. Um, I was going to make a joke about the that doctor with the big needle on the chargers but too soon perhaps <laughs> perhaps <laughs> was that the problem his needle was just too big i i kind of think it was <laughs> i don't know i'm not a doctor probably i just whenever i hear about it i imagine him pulling out like a really big needle and they're like are you sure he's like it's fine thwomp <laughs> what's the worst that could happen I guess thwomp, but not really a needle sound effect. It's more like gershlick. And then then maybe like a... (laughs) Yeah, balloon. We can do some Foley work pretty easily for that one. Uh, But Griffin, we're not talking about football today. Not yet, at least. We, I thought we could turn to the old diamond and the big round field that... It's round, right? The outfield? It's kind of a... uh, it's like a like a semicircle. Yeah, like it's certainly it's got some not a curve circle. to it. Certainly not. That and everyone is different. That's the beauty of it. Wow, I love diversity. Um, but <laughs> pro spe- diversity on high five. <laughs> Absolutely, An but the old, outfield old wooden ship. Absolutely, during the Civil War. Yeah. Uh, happy funny November. Happy funny November. Griffin, the outfield that I wanted to talk about today is the outfield that's currently being renovated as we speak, I imagine, at the old Rogers Center, where the Toronto Blue Jays make their home. Uh, obviously, winter meetings, I think, are starting right now. The uh, the off-season, the MLB off-season is getting into full swing uh, have we recorded an episode since the Astros? Oh, we said the Astros would win in six, I remember, last episode. Yeah. And we and were look both at correct. Us. That's a point. That's why you guys tune in right there. Yeah, for day-old predictions for games that haven't happened yet. There A couple of weeks ago when we did NHL talk, we like had this whole conversation, I remember, about the Canucks. And then the evening that after we had recorded it, they won. Well... <laughs> so, the you subsequent day, our it's a weekly podcast. <laughs> we don't have. We're not a breaking news podcast. We are a event. We are a reaction and analysis podcast. Absolutely, and a few laughs in there in between. I like to think. Oh, I like to think so. Uh, Griffin, obviously, the Blue Jays. I, I think it's fairly obvious to say that they did not have the uh, season that people were hoping for. Is that fair to say, or do you think like? Did they kind of ultimately meet expectations by having basically the same season that they did last year? I mean, it's not bad. 
it wasn't a bad season, but like I remember back in March, we were you and I were worried because everyone was picking them to win the division, and we were like, no, stop, like pick the Rays instead. And I wasn't really worried about the Yankees. I'm still not. Like I still don't <laughs> think the Yankees are good. Um, <laughs> and it's weird. Like the season is over, and I still am like, whatever. It's the Yankees. They won like a hundred games. They went to the ALCS, but like, not but, like good. Look at the lineup. Like. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, so I would say they didn't meet expectations, but like we're about to get into free agent signings here, Chris. And that's where the question gets interesting. Cause the past three winters, the Blue Jays have signed a like $20 million a year plus free agent in Ryu and then Springer and then Gossman. Two of those three have worked out really well. The Ryu deal, maybe not what they wanted to get out of that, despite how nice that first year in 2020 was. Um, so yeah, do you think that there is a chance that they go shopping in the big fish pond for the fourth winter in a row? The big fish pond. Um, the one, the one that I don't know because it, it kind of seems like to me at least, and I think we've talked about this before, that the Blue Jays feel like they spend a little less than their sort of market and fan support and, you know, Back, financial backing behind them might suggest like I feel like they do or should have the kind of pockets to spend maybe not like the Yankees or anything but like they should be in the upper tier spending and I guess they have sort of reached that level now but I do think it's reasonable to expect them to go out shopping with two of their best players still on like rookie contracts they will be under team control for a long time um I don't know really how baseball contracts work in terms of like when they can sign Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to an extension or anything like that. But I'd have to assume that that is something that's on their minds as well. But, you know, with Ryu's deal coming off the books after next year, I feel like they can afford maybe to commit a bit of long term money here, especially considering like you might not get this class of player, especially in terms of shortstops. You aren't going to get this class of player a year from now or two years from now, I don't think. But do you think that that's maybe the direction they should go if they were to sign a star, Griffin? Do you think that... How do you feel about the idea of signing a star shortstop? Obviously, moving Bo Bichette to second base is sort of what follows there and sort of shoring up the, the middle infield rather than trying to plug some of the holes we saw with pitching last year. Well, that is the interesting question. We heard the rumors last year that they were very interested in Corey Seager, who, of course, ended up going to the Texas Rangers. And then this year, there's a lot of really high-end shortstops available. I personally am okay with Bo Bichette at shortstop. He's not going to win a gold glove out there, but I don't think he... I mean, he makes the occasional high-profile error and gets everyone tweeting about it, but I think overall, it's not, like, egregious. Like, he's not lost out there. No, and I don't think that, you know, I think that the desire to sign a star shortstop is less the idea that Bo Bichette, like, needs to be replaced, and just more the idea that you're both getting a star player in the middle infield, which is kind of a position of need, like, their second base situation was never really fully resolved last year, and so you're filling that need and you're adding a, a star to the lineup, and you're also bolstering the defense, both by hypothetically adding a, a good defensive shortstop and by also getting Bo Bichette out of shortstop. So it's not necessarily that Bo Bichette is so terrible, but just that that's sort of where the the best free agents are sitting right now. Right. Well, in that case, I mean, the one that I would circle, if you were going to commit a big, splashy uh, amount of money, I would really like to see them go after Trey Turner. I think that the contact skills and the speed would play beautifully in the Blue Jays lineup he's a good defensive shortstop uh, I'm really high on Trey Turner I think that he would really just I mean that would make the Blue Jays I think probably very tough to question for the best lineup in baseball if they could pilfer him from the Los Angeles Dodgers yeah he really brings a lot of um, a lot of different things to the length of the Blue Jays maybe do not necessarily have, like you said, the hitting for contact, hitting for average, um, the foot speed as well, I think is a significant thing. Like having someone who is potentially like a leadoff hitter and base stealer. Um, speaking of leadoff hitting, how 
on a scale of one to ten, are you worried about George Springer in terms of how long he can last in center field in terms of being an everyday player? Well, I mean, we saw him no longer be an everyday player at that position this year, mostly because of injuries. But do you think that that's just the way it's going to be from now on? Um, I do think, like, when he's out there, he looks good. He's an excellent defensive center fielder when he's on the field. But I do think that for a couple years now, and of course a guy is injury-prone until he isn't. Like, he, all he has to do is go out there every day and he won't be injury-prone anymore. But right now it does seem like every year there's something that happens to George Springer which sort of takes his ability away to play everyday great defense like he's capable of. So I think... As long as the like the Blue Jays, I think, did a good job this year of getting Bradley Zimmer and then later Jackie Bradley Jr. to give him that day and to replace him in blowouts and things like that. So I think that as long as they have a competent backup outfielder on the roster, I'm not too concerned. Like, if George Springer wants to play 110 games at in center field and then 40 games at DH, like, that doesn't bother me from a lineup-building perspective. Yeah, I guess the only problem with the Blue Jays is they do kind of already have a lot of players who are sort of competing for DH time. Like, obviously, Vladimir Guerrero, not super often, but does like to get those DH reps in there. Um, They like to use Alejandro Kirk as the DH when he wasn't catching to, you know, get his bat in the lineup. And then now you have Springer as well. So that might preclude them from signing the kind of maybe outfielder, like, you know, I feel like a prototypical like DH outfielder in the Philadelphia Phillies mold, who is like, can play in the outfield, but you'd probably rather just have their bat, Um, which I think could be a good fit, potentially. The Kirk thing is part of a very interesting question about his future with the team, or Danny Jansen's future, or Gabriel Moreno's future, but yeah, you gotta think the Blue Jays will be hanging on to two of them, and will want probably both of them in the lineup most days, so that is where most of the DH slots will go, I think, to whichever catcher is not catching. Uh, I know it's not in our dock here, Chris, but gun to your head, if you had to trade one of the three catchers, I think I'm going with Alejandro Kirk, personally. It's just really rare i feel like and you know i'm not a baseball historian by any means but it's really rare to get a bat that good from the catcher position and obviously alejandro kirk is not without his weaknesses but i just feel like it's such a rarity and such a boon to your lineup i mean it's hard to say if he can replicate his season last year i feel like baseball is one of the least reliable in terms of like a player replicating the season that they just had the following year. But I do think that that's something you want to hang on to. And honestly, this might be a little sacrilegious, but I feel like if I were to trade someone, it might be Gabriel Moreno, who has shown a lot of really good things. Like defensively, I think he's shown a lot of potential. um, And he was sort of starting to maybe show some level of power, but like, if he never becomes like, you know, a 20 home run kind of catcher, he might be the third best catcher that the Blue Jays have, right? I mean, that's a possibility, but he's, the potential is there for everything. Like the, to be the elite defensive catcher that Danny Jansen is and the elite bat, he can also play like some outfield we've seen from Gabby Moreno. I really, I'm just so high on him and it's really tough to trade a 23-year-old all-star like Alejandro Kirk. Like, that is not something that you would typically define as a good move. But if it can bring back a, like, we've seen the name Lars Newtbar from the St. Louis Cardinals thrown around a bit. Lars Newtbar, great name, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear that name thrown around. But, like, a young, really, really good outfielder in exchange for your young, really good catcher I mean, I just think that Kirk right now will get you the biggest... I mean, maybe Moreno would too, but I just... I think... I feel in my evaluation that Gabriel Moreno will end up being better than Alejandro Kirk. Uh, yeah, I mean... It's just hard. Like, the, I think the power is my main concern with Moreno. He didn't really show a lot of power, uh, especially in his time in the majors. And I feel like that is just a little concerning like if he is a guy who is not really able to get the ball out of the park with any level of consistency that does i think hamper a lot of his offensive value um so it 
that does kind of concern me as well. That was uh, the knock on Austin Martin as well, who ended up not being a part of the Blue Jays' future. And I think that most people would say that they were wise to move on from Austin Martin when they did. And so, you know, obviously Gabriel Moreno's a little more uh, major league ready than he was at that time. But, you know, that's sort of where I'm, where my worry lies. Yeah, and that's fair. But, I mean, like you talked about, the catching value is not necessarily a big, like, home run spot in the lineup anyway. And also, does Alejandro Kirk really hit that many home runs? Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't have the figure on the, on the top of my head, but he hit 14 home runs last year. Um, yeah, which, I feel like you know, Moreno I think, can get there. I guess so. Um, you know, slugged 415. I guess that's plausible. Um, but I do think also that you'd be looking for more of a return from Moreno than from Kirk, right? With him being sort of like the the tantalizing prospect in that way. But, like, Kirk is already a proven Major League Baseball all-star and is, I would imagine, only one or two years older than Gabriel Moreno. Sure. All-star in quotes, I, I should, you should say. Um, <laughs> Why? Because he was voted in? Well, just that, like, you know, I feel like the all-star label for MLB players is a little bit, a little less indicative of their overall value and ability than it is for the NHL or NBA. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. Um, but yeah, Kirk is only one year older than Moreno. So really what you're dealing with is a guy, one guy has better tools. The other guy's proven it at the major league level. Um, That is a great way to sum it up, Griffin. Um, and Griffin, I want to move on to a different position. I want to talk about pitchers. Um, I have here Ross Stripling, keep or weep, parenthetical, (laughs) as you wave goodbye to him. Uh, Where do you stand on that? Obviously, the Blue Jays, you would hope, have three starting pitchers that they feel confident about. I mean, like, do you see Ryu having any kind of role (laughs) next year? Or do you think that he is just kind of like... Will he even be, like, physically able to? I I thought he was out for the entire season. All of next season as well? That was the impression that I was under, like maybe available if things go well for September, but I can't think he's part of their plan at all. Uh, But there is like, yeah, Manoa and Gossman, you've got a great one, two there verified. Uh, Blue check mark. Blue check mark. But the good one. One, two punch. Jose Barrios can't be this bad again. So you got to figure for at least a return to like average levels <laughs> you, you would hope so i was uh to bring up clem mcconnell again uh i was talking with him and, and was talking about how brios i feel like it just kind of gets swept under the rug that he was perhaps the worst consistent starter in baseball last year and like people are like oh he had an up and down year or like the thing that got talked about a lot on the broadcast which really annoyed me was like when he's when he has a good start, he's good. But when he has a bad start, he really gets shelled. Like, That's true. yeah, <laughs> That's what the numbers showed. And he but did like, have a lot of good starts. Yeah, his record in good... Like, his numbers when he has a good start are good, obviously. <laughs> like, I feel like, you know... And even his quote-unquote good starts were always like, he gives up a home run within the first two innings. Pretty much like clockwork, I feel like. Yeah, but it was just, it's so weird that that, like, it was just for the first time ever in his career last year with no notable drop in velocity or spin rate or anything like that. So you gotta think, maybe there was something nagging at him that hopefully can heal up, but you gotta think that he'll be back. And I also sort of feel like they'll give Yusei Kikuchi another shot. Like, another shot at starting, you think? I do, because he, he's been an all-star starter, not to use your least favorite term in <laughs> baseball, but he's shown the ability to be a very good major league starter. Like, I just think, you know me, Chris, I'm a big believer in things regressing to the mm-hmm. mean. Outliers are outliers. I think that Jose Brios and Yusei Kikuchi both had negative outlier seasons. I feel like Certainly. Alec Manoa may have had a bit of a positive outlier season, but I don't think he'll make a huge step back or anything like that. 
Uh, although everything we've seen from Alec Manoa has just been good, like ever since yeah, he I mean, like, the major leagues. He had a 2.24 ERA. I don't think that that's something that you can expect for him going forward, probably. But I do think that even if his results in terms of like his wins and his ERA and stuff like that, even if that those numbers go up or, you know, go more negative, <laughs> his ERA goes up, his wins go down. I think that he still has more to show us in terms of like having his best stuff on a nightly basis. Because the big thing with Manoa that was always talked about was even when he doesn't have his best, he tends to give you a good outing. And so just finding a a little more of that consistency, I think, can sort of maybe balance out some of the, I think you're right, positive luck, we'll say, that he had in some of his outings. But the bottom line is that they do have three starters for next year they can rely on. I think they'll sign or trade for like a relevant major league starter and give themselves four penciled in. And then with Ross Stripling, I would love to keep him. I think that he is a great, like, was really, really good for them this year. He was so good. And like, he he was so good. (laughs) Yeah. And someone's going to give him a lot of money. So that's what it comes down to. You think? I think so. We like a to lot be of a, a number two on a major league staff. Like I think. Really, you think so? Him... Yeah, I think he's probably looking at like north of. I think he'll get more per year than the qualifying offer of like seventeen. Wow, I I mean again like I'm not, I'm not really uh, privy to baseball in that way in terms of what the contract uh, structure looks like, but that does surprise me. I mean like I guess you're right that he had a great season. He is. You know, he's 32 years old. He's about to be 33, which is certainly on the older side. But maybe you're right that that last season was enough to sort of cement his value in in that kind of tier. In the same way, you know, almost that Kevin Gosman did the year before. Yeah, I mean, if he's out there for less than $15 a year, I think the Blue Jays should snap him up for two or three years without thinking about it. But yeah, the, the question is... Are they going to, like, if they, they're going to trade one of their three catchers, is there going to be a major league starter in that deal? Like, is that going to be part of that? Or are they going to go out, they're going to sign Justin Verlander for, like, two years, $100 million or something? Uh, it's a good question, Chris. And I think that, I, I would be surprised if they bring in, like, a frontline ace like Verlander. That I don't think. I think they'll bring in, a, like, a number three. Yeah, I mean, that's the weird thing that they're sort of faced with now is, like, they. I think they have, like, especially if Barrios returns to sort of the level that you would hope for him, like, he was named the opening day starter. Hypothetically, pretty much those three guys, you'd say, like, that's a 1B starter. Like, he can be, he's a number one on a, a sort of average pitching staff or a number two on a really good pitching staff. And having three guys like that is, like... Well, that's fantastic. Like that should be enough, right? Yeah. And yet, and I mean, Manoa is like a Cy of... Young nominee. In th- I think they would love for him to be the one. Yeah, I think you know, and I think he certainly was the one last year. Although it took people a weird amount of time to realize it. I feel like. Mm. Um, I'm still Team Gossman. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, I love Kevin God. Gossman. I really like Kevin Gossman. He. He just has that air of inconsistency to me. And I don't, maybe it's more of an emotional thing than it is something that would be borne out if you dug into the numbers. But I feel more, much more confident when Alec Manoa is pitching than I do with pretty much any other Blue Jays starter. That's fair. Well, maybe you're the reason that they lost game one against Seattle, Chris. That's a great point, Griffin. I had not <laughs> considered that. Um, so... You know, if you had to pick, Griffin, are we looking at a starting pitcher? Are we looking at, you know, maybe a number three, like you said? Maybe it is a a Chris Bassett or an Andrew Heaney, uh, that type of player coming in. That seems like the sort of realistic. Heaney's a name we've heard a lot. Uh, Jamison Tyone obviously has the Canadian connection and would sort of make sense in that area. Do you think, would you rather have one of those guys or would you rather allocate that money, assets, any kind of spending to shore up the bullpen. Because that was the major weakness, it felt like, especially in the playoffs. But, you know, that was the the undoing of the Blue Jays for a lot of the year. They made some moves to shore it up in at the trade deadline. 
and it looked really good for a while, and then it didn't again. So how do you feel about the state of the bullpen overall? Well, yeah, the bullpen certainly needs to add some strikeout artists. Like, if you watched every team that was successful in the playoffs, it's because every single guy they bring out of the bullpen throws 101 with six-inch sliders, and, like, it's I don't know how anyone in baseball gets a hit off of any of these relievers anymore. They're crazy. and But it seems like the Blue Jays have never had that ability to be like, and here's another guy who throws 102, and here's another one. Like, they don't find these guys the same way that other teams do. So that's, I think, a big, big item for them, whether they try they'll have to bring them in from other organizations one way or another but there's no way like the blue jays will bring in a starting pitcher this offseason i'm saying that i even say if it they resign ross stripling i think even if they resign ross stripling they'll probably bring in another one because i think if yusei kikuchi can earn a job back that's great but i don't think they want to be relying on him or nate pearson or whoever else you can think of I was in the just organization to bring up Nate Pearson for that Ooh. number five slot. They want their three guys that we've talked about and two more before we get to the Kikuchis and Pearsons. Right. Pearson will be in the bullpen this year. They're not going to, I'd love to see him as a starter. I still want him as a starter, but they're going to try him in the bullpen. And if things go bad and injuries mount up, then they'll try him as a starter. I, I do not think Nate Pearson will ever be a starting pitcher. I will say that much. I am multi inning quite- reliever. I'm quite low on Nate Pearson's uh, chances of ever being a a guy. Um, quickly, Griffin, just Not because... Not out of the bullpen? Maybe out of the bullpen. I mean, like, it's like Matt Bush really was a me. great reliever for, like, one year. Like, Arizona I feel like anyone, anyone can kind of be a great reliever for a year or a couple of years. Um, so, you know, I think he has as good a chance as anyone, but I don't really feel any confidence in him right now. Um, but a guy who throws like 103 or whatever he does, that's exactly what they need out of the bullpen. If he can come in and give them two innings every time he comes out of the Two innings really total good. before he gets injured. Okay, that's not his fault, Chris. <laughs> that's not his fault. I mean, trying it's to tear not, people down on high floor. He's not responsible for it, but it is a fact of the player. <laughs> like, it's not like he is getting injuries randomly, I don't feel like. He is an injury prone player. Until he isn't. Until he isn't sure. Um, Griffin, I'm going to quickly run down some names for you from the bullpen. And uh, we're going to play a quick little bit of keep or weep. Uh, Whether you would want to keep this guy in the rotation next year or if you would be happy to move on from him in favor of someone else. Uh, The first option we have here, Jimmy Garcia. Keep, for sure. Excellent reliever. I agree. I think he might be, maybe was the most consistent reliever they had. Aside uh, in from the Jordan Romano, I'd say so, yes. But Jordan Romano had the sort of high profile, I feel like he really fell off towards the end of the year, um, especially with I, his slider. I don't know. I think that Jimmy Garcia was certainly their second best reliever this season. Sure. Anthony Bass. Keep. And they Adam will. Simber. They exercised his yes, they option. Will. Simber I would keep as well. He, so, he pitched really well in the beginning of the season, sort of lost some of the high leverage as they brought in Bass, uh, but... I would still keep him. He certainly was a quality major league reliever. He did not make you weep. Uh, Jordan Romano, keep, of course. <laughs> okay, you're not you're not worried. One to ten, how confident do you feel in Jordan Romano coming out and having a similar year next year? Nine. Is there any reason not to? No, I don't think so. Well, other than that, he did tail off towards the end of the year last year. I don't remember that happening. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Tim Meza. Weep. <laughs> Big weep. But he they do need left-handers. Yeah, but that's the he's thing. he's not one of them. Trent Thornton. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I will, I'll skip Trevor Thornton. The, the biggest weeper there is. Yeah. Um, here's an, one I think is actually interesting. Trevor Richards. Trevor Richards, like, became solid as the year went on. Mm-hmm. But you're going to need to... If you're going to bring in upgrades, you're going to have to get rid of some people, so I, I'm going to have to say goodbye to Trevor Richards. And his wow, okay, a week for Trevor hair. Richards. Sure. Um, a few more here, Griffin. Uh, Julian Merriweather? Can I keep him in Buffalo? <laughs> sure. The, 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 patent, the, arm, the arm quality is there. Sure. You can keep him in Buffalo. 
I'm sure he'll be hanging around. Um, Zach Pop. Some people call him Zach Poop. Oh, keep. He's like 26. Keep him. Absolutely. And another interesting one, Griffin, Mitch White. Mitch White seems like, like, they went out and traded for him. They wanted him. I think that I want Mitch White to succeed more than Mitch White has the capacity to succeed, maybe. He could be the next Ross Stripling. I would really love that. Um, One of the more attractive members of the Blue Jays, I will say. For sure. Um, Half Asian represent. (laughs) Do you see Uh, him at the meetings? <laughs> hey, come on, come on, come on. Um, <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> yeah, we can say it. You can't say it. Um, how much time do we are we looking at here? Uh, we're doing well for time. We're at thirty-five minutes. Okay. Um, I do say I keep just, Mitch White though. Okay. Like whether, I, as the long man sort of thing, and then I think he'll least. get a chance to be in the rotation with Kikuchi and whoever else. Yeah, I guess so. It's just it's hard. It. it I think Mitch White is a nice thing to have as a luxury, but when he actually, when you actually need him, then maybe you're hurting a little bit. Yeah, well, that's what Buffalo's for. Sure, absolutely. Um, last thing here, Griffin, a couple of free agent relievers. Obviously, they're the sort of like big name headliners. I do feel like the big name headliner relievers are rarely the ones that end up being like, oh, that was the signing of the offseason. Like, yeah. They never really seem to pan out the way you want them to. But if you had to pick, because we've sort of talked about the idea of needing strike throwers, of needing guys who can get outs, guys who can get strikeouts, you have on the one hand Kenley Jansen, who has a great track record, is a very old man, um, but has a great track record uh, and has, you know, that sort of breaking ball that you were talking about earlier. Do you prefer him, who's maybe a little more soft-throwing, or would you rather take a chance on a guy who had a bit of an ignominious season last year, uh, a guy who probably, I don't know what kind of contract he might be looking at, but Araldus Chapman Griffin, I feel like he, I feel like he should kind of be in the conversation as a guy who could maybe be of interest to the blue jays next year yeah no i'll tell you what kind of contract he's looking at next year one that pays in like dominican dollars or whatever 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 the currency is there i don't think we're all this i think we're all chapman is done in the major leagues and wow even though i know that he's going to be 35 years old but kenley jansen saved 41 games last year i don't think this is really a and araldus chapman embarrassed himself off the yankees postseason roster and everyone seemed like relieved about it so i think that with all due respect to the career of Araldus chapman which was good a few years ago like this year it's... he wasn't he was an all-star in 2020 okay covid year 60 games <laughs> okay i'm just saying like he's not that far removed from being really good no, I guess not, but I think he's volatile, and I don't think that teams want to deal with him, uh, especially teams like the Blue Jays, who are young and impressionable and seem to have a good culture. Uh, so I'm very confidently going with Kenley Jansen on this one. Struck and obviously, 12 per nine innings last year. like. And yeah, we're talking about, like, I think, that Araldus Chapman will be getting it if he does, like you said, if he does get an MLB contract, then it would be probably significantly smaller than what Kenley Jansen might get. Um, but I think that that's, you know, that is kind of the guy you look for in terms of your bullpen as the guy who like can create a lot of value, you know, like guys who are generating value above what you expect out of them. Though I think that's the, like the key for a bullpen. Yeah. This is the second consecutive year in which Araldus Chapman has walked more than six guys per nine innings. Not um, ideal. He had an but ERA hey. plus of 88 this year, which is 12 points worse than the average Major League Baseball pitcher. He, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm here in bargain. <laughs> I'm he on the trade. finished 19 games for the Yankees. Uh, he won't be asked to be the closer. That's the other thing, is he can be the... The uh, eighth inning or whatever. 
Whatever he wants to like, do. There's no way he's going to be better than Yimmy Garcia in the eighth inning. I guess not. Um, well, we'll table that for now, Griffin. We'll come back to this when the table Blue Jays do sign Earl's Chapman. <laughs> okay. You want him out of baseball. I mean, I wouldn't um, mind. He's a bad guy. <laughs> Griffin, we are going to take a quick break and we will return with some rookie magic, not an expression, on high floor, low ceiling. Halfway through the podcast, Chris has still not mentioned my haircut that I got, but that's okay. Okay, and several months later, Griffin has not mentioned my new glasses that I got. <laughs> I, we did. We talked about them on the podcast, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I like your new glasses. They're very similar to your old glasses. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that, no, they're clearly different, Griffin. I have the old ones right here. You can see the difference. Oh, yes. These ones, they only have visible they don't frames. Have the, yep. <laughs> Under, I do like, I like that look. That's a good oh, look. Oh, you do. Thank you. I've been waiting for you to say something. I must confess, I don't keep close tabs on your hair. Why do we even do a podcast? Oh, come on. If not, you know, when's the last time I got a haircut? A long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) Possibly, like, not since I've known you. No, 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 that's not true. I got a haircut, like, probably 18 months ago. Yeah. I believe we've known each other for, like, 22 months. Yeah. This is all golden podcast material, by the way. Are we recording? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll keep all that in. And welcome back to High Floor, Low Ceiling, Griffin. It was wonderful to get back on the baseball horse. And, you know, I feel like the, the Blue Jays' depression has kind of passed. I feel like I I felt positively about the Blue Jays for... The first time in a while uh, yeah, in that it, segment. It, it always passes. Um, usually, I have to take like a round off. Like Whenever my team gets eliminated, mm. I don't watch the next round, and then mm. I'm back into it. Um, you missed a, a great ALDS. Yeah. Well, I, w- I was watching the Cleveland Yankees one. That one was enough to pull me in, because I was all in on Cleveland, and then they got <laughs> eliminated, so I didn't really watch the ALCS. <laughs> well, fortunately, the... Uh, the Strohs took care of business. Yeah, and... not that I missed much. Hey, yo, hey. Hey, yo, New York, yo. Uh, do you think New York Joe's sad about the Yankees, or is New York Joe a Mets fan? New York Joe's a Yankees fan. You think so? Yankees, yeah. uh... Yankees and Jets. Yankees, Giants. Oh, Jet. Oh, yeah. New York Joe loves his Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Sure. But speaking of the National Football League, Griffin, uh, a very interesting little bit of personnel management last Were week. Were we speaking the... of the National Football League? We... Yes, because uh, the Jets. Oh, the, the J-E-T-S. Jets, 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 Jets. Come on, baby. <laughs> Take it a third time. No, no we're, keeping, yep. we're keeping this in, and people will just know that there was a previous version of this, this throw that was cut for poor taste. Um, From Chris. Uh, who's to say? The Indianapolis Colts firing Frank Reich. Uh, <laughs> you can make the joke for yourself. Uh, and hiring Jeff Saturday, who has no professional or college-level coaching experience to speak of. He coached at Hebron Christian Academy uh, um, in, I believe it... Uh, in Palestine, I don't know if, right? <laughs> come on. <laughs> When we it's were discussing in... this yesterday. Yes. Chris looked up Hebron. It's in it's a place in Palestine. And it's also uh, a Christian academy in I'm not sure if it's Dakula or Dakula, Georgia. Probably probably Dakula. I'd say Dakula, um, Georgia. But it's spelled like Dracula without the R, so there's kind of a a tendency. Um they went twenty and sixteen while he was there, Griffin. They made the <laughs> playoffs. <laughs> they made the playoffs every year, Griffin. They won Bye. three playoff games. They went to the state quarterfinals in 2019. Um, so an illustrious career, to say the least. Certainly um, worthy of an NFL head coaching experience. Yes. And, you know, they, they did have former NFL head coaches on their staff as well. So that sort of 
garnered more confusion from uh, from on on the oh not at, on the, the Indianapolis. Cool. I thought you meant at Hebron Academy. <laughs> <laughs> like what what was going on at this school that was barely over five hundred but had like three NFL coaches? Yeah, well, you know, if you've seen the movie Home Team, you'll understand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and okay, so Jeff Saturday is now the interim head coach of your Indianapolis Colts, uh, the, the Royal U. Um, and so we thought it would be interesting to try and pick out who might be the next uh, person to take on the Jeff Saturday position of someone with no professional head coaching experience to speak of. You have labeled this the Condoleezza Rice draft. After uh, a few years ago, it came out that the Browns were interested in talking to Condoleezza Rice, former Secretary of State, about their head coaching vacancy. Like, were they just trying to be more of a joke? Like, hey, <laughs> like, in, in what possible? Not as, like, the president of the organization or, like, a leadership role, which she would probably be good at, and she's a big football fan and a big Browns fan, but the head coach? <laughs> Well, I assume she wouldn't be calling the plays or anything, but yeah. But that's what the head coach does. <laughs> then why make her head coach? Is she? They think Condoleezza Rice had like a good eye for challenges. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's to say? Uh, but before we do this, Griffin, I just wanted to quickly get your take because Jeff Saturday, I think that that is the worst day that could be a football coach because it's like. They play on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays. And so if you're Jeff Saturday, then that's like the worst day you could be. And so I wanted to see like which day would be the best because you think it would be Jeff Sunday, right? Because they play on Sundays. But then Sunday kind of implies a certain lackadaisicality to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jeff Tuesday. I don't think Jeff works. I think like Rick Tuesday. (laughs) <laughs> that would be a good football coach. And that's the name of the episode. Um, yeah, Tuesday is interesting because it's like, you know, you can play on Monday. And so Tuesday is kind of like the first day of the week where there's no NFL games on. And so maybe that could represent like you're getting up and at him. Like he's on it on Tuesday. He's not yeah, waiting until like Jeff Tuesday Saturday. in general is like, it's a tough day. Like it's like if you wake up on Tuesday and it's cloudy and rainy, you're like, oh, Tuesday. Like. But I feel like Tuesday's kind of soft. I'm Tuesday like Tuesday is the February of days. That's so true. Um, and I feel like February is kind of soft. As someone who was born in February and is a soft little cutie, um, it's like Monday. That one's tough, you know, because it's Monday. Got a case of the Mondays. Garfield isn't even getting out of his box on that day. Um, and then Tuesday, it's like you know, okay, we're in the week. Things are a little more chill. And then Wednesday is hump day, famously the hardest week there is, or the hardest day of the week, I should say. And then, you know, at that point, you're basically into the pre-kend, as I call Thursday and Friday. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm thinking that Tommy Wednesday maybe is the best coach uh, for the job here. Tommy, all right, I'll go with Rick Tuesday. You're taking Tommy Wednesday. Uh, A fascinating matchup, Griffin. (laughs) We now are going to uh, throw out some of our choices for uh, our rookie head coaches. This was surprisingly difficult, and I'm really not pleased with my choices. No, yeah, I'm not loving mine either. I don't think there's going to be a lot of crossover. (laughs) No, Um, I don't think there is. My first one, I was going to go, I was going with a tactician. Yeah, and we should clarify it. Are these necessarily NFL head coaches or just sports? I think sports head coaches. Okay, I agree. So I want to go with someone with a mind for like tactics, a tactician, if you will, Um, a real strategist, a real sharp tool in the shed. Uh, So I'm going to take Neil deGrasse Tyson, world famous astrophysicist, as a head coach. Um. Griffin, it's a great choice. I'm just curious, aren't you horrified that he'll be spending the whole game being like, actually, the ball is a prolate spheroid? I think he, I think he'll buck down. He'll take it serious. I, I'm not sure. If the, the player's respect is something that I'm worried about. Um, 
I think he needs like a grizzled assistant coach to sort of mm-hmm. like be the the go between. But I think he'll Phillips. be able to diagram some really great plays, and he might be better as a GM, like as like an <laughs> analytics minded GM. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. It's a head coach draft, so I'm taking Doctor Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, an interesting choice, Griffin. I don't mean to impugn your selection, but I feel like the main thing with a head coach is like you want some collaboration, right? Like you want someone who's going to listen to all the voices, who's going to synthesize the best result here. And I feel like Neil deGrasse Tyson, I mean, I'm not familiar with his work in astrophysics or whatever it is that he allegedly did. Um, but I feel like, (laughs) all right, Chris, trying to undercut the entire career of the world's most famous astrophysicist since like Hawking. (laughs) I, I just saying it's, I can't speak to his career is all I'm saying. Um, but I can speak to his Twitter presence and I feel like like his his Twitter Twitter presence is mostly built around well, actually people. And I feel like a well, actually person is the worst person person to have as an nfl head coach be like but everyone well, actually the outside zone run is far more efficient i just everyone like i i know that a lot of people don't like his twitter i think it's just he's taking science and like in, using it through like everyday examples like showing he's a not science doing at work, science come showing on a science at work uh and he's a commitment to knowledge i think he's doing it tongue-in-cheek and people just like get mad for no reason. I'm I'm here to defend my new head coach. Also, in honor of uh, our cold open and our segment last week, I would also like to take me as a Major League Baseball manager specifically. I think that I could run a really good bullpen. I think the guys would respect me, construct a lineup, do some shifts, win a World Series. So And an NFL quarterback slash quarterbacks coach? Well, no, I need the quarterbacks coach. Can't sure, quarterback slash head coach. You need to call the plays. Yeah. Um, I love it, Griffin. Great choices. I I don't remember why I picked this person. Um, a high-profile sports fan was getting a lot of uh, attention during the World Series and the uh, playoff run leading up to that. But my selections are mostly vibes-based, I must admit. There's not really a lot of logic behind them, per se. But I feel like Miles Teller, uh, actor of some repute famous Philadelphia Phillies fan. I feel like he has the right tenor. He's an emotional guy. We've seen that in Whiplash. He famously yelled, I'm upset. Um, (laughs) It's true. I feel like he strikes the balance because he's emotional. I think he's a very, uh, he seems like an intelligent guy, more or less. Uh, Obviously very passionate about, uh, about sports. And then he kind of has the right demeanor. Like, he's part casual, part serious. I feel like he can modulate to the right levels depending on what his team needs at a given time. So I feel like Miles Teller is going to be my choice uh, from the offer himself uh, okay. is going to be my selection. I see that. And I think that actors in general are a good choice. Charismatic people who are mm. sort of like that. The, the team will gravitate towards them. They've got natural charisma and things. They should do a movie people. where Julia Roberts coaches a sports team. I'm just throwing that out there. That should be a movie? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, Julia Roberts plays a coach or Julia Roberts herself? <laughs> it's a documentary. Um, I think Julia Roberts will be playing a character who is the coach of a sports team. Like, she could, it's like, she could coach a high school girls volleyball team. She could be the first female head coach in the NBA. That would be a good, uh... That could be a good movie. Okay. She could do anything. That she could. One of our finest actors. Very true. I'm going to take an emotional leader myself, Chris. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy who would maybe work more as like a player coach. Um, are we going to allow player coaches? That does feel like cheating, I must say. Okay, okay. Full uh, but, coach. but 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 just just continue, and I will. Uh, I'll see how I feel. Uh, I'm going to take Captain America as <laughs> my next coach. Um, I think that the the team would really look up to him. He would be able... The tactics wouldn't necessarily be there. Of course, he's got the 1940s brain. Uh, <laughs> he would be getting them to, like... He'd be like, I can't believe they cut holes in the bottom of the peach baskets. Um, <laughs> but I do think that he would... Uh, 
he would really be able to rally the troops. I think football head coach would be a good one for Captain. Sure, absolutely. Um, a great, a great choice, Griffin. I was not expecting that. Um, I forgot that we had previously talked about the idea that fictional characters would be on the table here. Um, so I cannot impugn your choice. I think Captain America, obviously a great leader. He did great work with the, you know, if he can freaking get the Avengers to get along, I'll bet he can get the Brooklyn Nets locker room to figure things out, don't you think? I would think so. Although they did uh, already try a national hero just of a different nation, and that didn't A work. national hero. Hey. Hey. Oh, go Jets. Um, <laughs> Griffin, in the almost polar opposite vein, you know, I talked the about Red the Red Skull? <laughs> really tickled by this uh listen to got the runs by the way uh just a little bit of a mid-show plug <laughs> um and just keep typing griffin i am going to select someone you know i talked about the idea of your head coach needs to be the person who's bringing people together who's uh bringing together a lot of different voices under one uh roof and i think most of all you know, we saw Steve Nash sort of try and fail in Brooklyn, but especially if I think you're going to need a great team behind any of these coaches. And so if you have a great team, the one thing you want is someone who's not going to rock the boat. And so not to get political here, but I'm going to select Toronto Mayor John Tory for my <laughs> head coaching position. I not for political reasons, but just like, he feels like the ultimate non-boat rocker. Yes, milk toast. Like, doesn't really leave an impact. Doesn't get in the way of anything, and sort of just coasts by on like the. He basically, you know, we just had a mayoral election here. He basically ran his campaign on the idea of like nothing's gone that bad recently, like since I've been mayor. So like, don't you want to just keep having everything kind of be normal? And so I feel like that guy, the guy who's like, what if everything was just chill? Uh, you know, you put that with a great roster, and I think that that's a championship solution. Uh, so John Tory, uh, my new head coach. Well, there you have it. Chris exposed as a neoconservative. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I get for the archetype that you were describing, John Tory's a great choice. The mayor of Toronto, big sports fan. Um, my third choice is going to be another emotional leader. This one I also see as a football coach stalking the sidelines. Really, Pippi Longstockings? That's exactly who I'm picking, Pippi Longstock. Uh, firing up her team. like I can just see her like get in the face of her offensive line and just be like, come on, protect your quarterback, and like the quarterback would never get touched again. I'm taking Oprah Winfrey. Chris, mm. as my third and final head coach. I think that she is love a that. natural leader. Uh, I love the choice. Obviously, Oprah, a Chicago icon. Um, I think she's a Bears fan. Uh, I'm just going to quickly Google that. But certainly uh, a strong connection to Chicago. Uh, she's a very giving person, as we know. She's going to give you a car. Um, and a lot I'm of wins. seeing Oprah Winfrey weight loss keto gummy bears. Not seeing, a And I'm also seeing that in <laughs> July of 2020... A bear walked by her property in Monticello, Montecito. Oprah say. Winfrey bears. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is absolutely what I did. Wait, but Monticello, like where Thomas Jefferson lived? Montecito. I corrected oh. myself. Oh, I see. I just saw what I wanted to see. I was gonna say power move, Oprah. <laughs> Oh, good gracious. Uh, Griffin, I love that selection. My final selection is a similar kind of idea, sort of going for someone who is a, a spiritual leader, uh, an emotional leader. I was thinking about Phil Jackson, the great NBA coach, one of the greatest in history when I was thinking about this. Uh, although I think this person would excel most in baseball, Clem McConnell. Clem McConnell is your third and final pick. Clem McConnell is my third and final pick. Don't you see the mustache, the zen-like attitude, the propensity to sort of speak in riddles, and you can't exactly figure out what's going on, but you also feel comfortable in their presence. 
you know what? Don't you feel like there's it's, a, it's a the connection there? That there's a Clem the McConnell, Phil Jackson kind of DNA there? <laughs> and of course, Phil Jackson... Phil Jackson is three feet taller than Clem McConnell. So. <laughs> Clem's, Clem's a tall guy. Come on. Um, and if Phil Jackson can lead, you know, many different championship teams, he's one of, I think he should probably be considered the greatest coach in NBA history. How can you not want that uh, that energy in, in your roster? So Clem McConnell, my choice. That's a great pick. Speaking of the famous Clem McConnell, Chris, we were supposed to have him on this episode, but technical difficulties prevented that, but he did still have a list of coaches ready. Um, so his list of coaches were Mance Raider from Game of Thrones, who the leader is, of course, the Wildlings, I believe. Yeah, he's a member of the Knights, used to be a member of the Knights Watch. Mm, uh, I got to reread those books. They're so good. Absolutely. Um, as well as Sherlock Holmes from the Sherlock Holmes books. and Maybe a bit of a prickly personality, I must say. Yeah, that's tough. That one's like a... That one's more in the vein of like my DeGrasse Tyson pick. Yeah. And then his third and final pick was his friend Libby. She's <laughs> great and is pretty good at sports, has strong leadership skills, but has a really good sense of humor about herself. I think she could inspire, make the players laugh, and just provide some of the best vibes out there. So, wow. Do we th- what do we think the chances are that Libby ever hears this? I think that it'll, it'll get passed along. That's true, because um, Clem, noted listener. And, you know, I chose a conservative, so it's only fair that Clem could choose a Libby. <laughs> <laughs> but a big shout-out to friend of friend of the show, Libby. <laughs> Huge uh, shout-out to Libby. And obviously, you know, I chose Clem, Clem chose Libby, so there's a bit of synergy there. Maybe they could be co-head coaches. Ooh. Um, and I think that we're going to bring some titles to whichever city that they happen to find themselves in. Well, there you go. Get ready for that Clem Libby pairing, everyone. That's going to do it for this episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. Uh, not a lot of headroom in our podcast. Because of the low ceiling? With the high floor and the low ceiling. Yeah. No, I think that's, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about someone being squished between the, the <laughs> ice and the... And the course. Uh, the hardwood, one of the scariest ideas that has ever been. We're past sure Christmas season oh. is in view. Oh, yeah. I, that's what I meant to ask you. Now that the clock has, or the calendar has turned to November, are you already in uh, Christmas prep mode? I am. I'm not. I, I'm being good this year. I haven't watched a movie yet. I haven't listened to the music yet. Remembrance Day is obviously the first major stepping stone you gotta get to remembrance day i think salute the troops as chris yeah. is doing right now in our discord call still holding that salute that's very noble american thanksgiving next big domino and, and then, then i think there, i think it's i think after american season. thanksgiving everyone kind of agrees that you can start yeah, and that, to... that's usually like about a month which or I december think is... 1st i guess people also december uh... 1st is the other big one but then that only leaves you like three weeks of christmas mm-hmm. season which isn't quite enough for me um, I'm with you, Griffin. I think that Thanksgiving is completely reasonable. I know some people like to do it even earlier, and I support them as well. Um, I just I don't want to get burned out by the time like December rolls around. Absolutely. Uh, but big ups to people of all stars and stripes, as I like to say. Uh, please remember <laughs> to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us five stars. Um, obviously, of course, listen to Got the Runs. Listen to Bevy of Bevies. Watch the OUA basketball show. Uh, how's that been going, Griffin? It's been going well. We had a great episode this week. Uh, one of a student journalist from Carlton, Mark Colley, a great writer, joined the show to talk about the Ravens men's team. So yeah, it's like it's less than ten minutes. Uh, so if you're out there, if you've got a connection to OUA basketball, if you're not. If you've been to an OUA school and you want to hear updates on how your school is doing in basketball, mm. go uh, check it out on the OUA YouTube channel. And while you're there, you can check out the OUA football show featuring friend of the show, Connor O'Neill. Absolutely. Uh, how are my Toronto Metropolitan University trams doing? I assume uh, they changed their mascot. They are now the TMU Bold, Chris. That's true. Yes, it is. Oh, that sucks. I mean, I love it. However, <laughs> <laughs> I'm that. supposed to feel. <laughs> I think most people have gone with your gut. 
if I could speak, speaking in my non-official capacity here. Um, but the women, of course, are the defending national champions, but yeah. they lost to U of T to start the season. Oh, nar! A big upset, and I believe last night there was a rematch there, so I haven't checked the score yet. But, uh, so, embattled, <laughs> I would say, are the TMU Bulls. Wow. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to stick to the trams. I think that's good. Cause that it, is you good. It's some alliteration. There's it a makes street sense. Car that it's... goes right past like the Maple Leaf Gardens there. That's what I'm saying, Griffin. Um, but that's a discussion for another day and another episode. That will do it for this week. Until next time, please keep your floors high and your ceilings low.